0: I'm glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devon Neal. Would you stand with me please? Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted, accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's where we ended in the last message on Galatians. Now verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not, and to seeds as of many but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Thank you. You may be seated. There's more to the context we're reading in. God willing, we'll pick up there next week in verse 19 when he's going to talk about then what is the purpose of the law. If the law was not added as a means of salvation or a channel to God's, to God's favor, then why was it added? And he'll deal with the fact that the law, verse 24, really sums up it was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It was added after because of transgressions. In essence, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, the law was added to prove the seed has not yet come. God promised to give seed, but that seed is obviously not the the people that are that are operating right now because they were under judgment and so forth, and we 'll deal with that. But tonight, I want to focus where the Bible focuses, and that is on the Abrahamic covenant. We want to bring that up and just mention throughout the Bible you have numerous covenants that God makes. He made a covenant with Adam. He made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with with Moses. He made a covenant with the nation of Israel concerning inheritance of the promised land. Maybe at some point in time we'll preach through the various covenants in the Bible. Uh, God made various covenants and there were conditions to some of those covenants. Abraham's covenant was unconditional. This is what I'll do. The only condition was to believe God. And so the, the covenant was to bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham. We've dealt with that. We'll speak of it again a little bit tonight, what the specifics of that was. But uh, Paul's going to get into, with again, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, defining what that covenant meant and how we are to process that or interpret that in our minds. I'm glad that God gave us a whole Bible. Uh, We've said this before, but the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Many times when people get mixed up is when we cherry-pick a passage of Scripture, we misapply that because we think the world revolves around us. We take a Bible passage and say, well, it must apply to me in this way. And we need to be very careful to apply the Bible in the context in which it's given inside of its own interpretation. There's more to be said about that. But as we deal with the covenants, we know that all the promises of God are yea and amen in who? Christ Jesus. They're yea and amen in Him. And so Paul's going to deal with again tonight seeking to help these Galatians. The, The entire context of this is these Galatians have been bewitched. They've been deceived in believing that they need to go back to the Mosaic Law. And what Paul's going to establish is the Mosaic Law was given for a specific purpose. It has accomplished that purpose. When when it it has brought you to Christ, it has fulfilled its purpose in your life. The Mosaic Law was not the objective. It It was a tool to bring you to the objective. And he's using this Abrahamic Covenant to do this. So our focus tonight in Spotlight is going to be on this covenant and the things that are said about it in here in the context of comparing it to the law. So I'm going to give you four things tonight in verses 15 through 18 about this covenant. Now, Paul begins in speaking and he's going to give a human illustration. When he says, I speak after the manner of men, and other times the Apostle Paul will say, I speak to you as a man. What he means is, let me just, in a humanly speaking, let me give you just a, an earthly illustration that helps illustrate a divine uh, principle. And so he says, I speak as a man. And here we're going to deal with the confirmation of this Abrahamic covenant. Uh, He says in verse 15, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. If two men have a covenant with one another and it's confirmed, there's a mutual confirmation of that covenant, it is improper, it is wrong later to add conditions to it or to take away benefits from it. That would be inappropriate. So, my wife and I, we entered into a covenant 22 plus years ago called marriage. And we entered in and said, you know what? I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife. I take you to be my lawfully wedded husband. For better, for worse, richer, poorer, sickness and health. Somebody said those vows give you 16 wives. For better, for worse, for richer, and for poorer. Uh, I don't think that's what that means, right? So anyway, you enter into that. Now, if we're married for two years and I say, you know what? I'm going to stay married to you. We didn't cover this when we got married, but what you're going to have to do now is you're going to produce this much income, or I'm going to get a different wife. Well, I could do that, but I've broken the covenant. Even in a man's covenant, you know it doesn't work like that. If two men agree, let's put, let me give you an illustration. Man has a piece of property for sale. and We would call this a contract, but it's still the same illustration. You got a piece of property for sale. He's got $200,000 on that piece of property. Another man comes and he says, you know, I'll offer you $189. Say, well, let's, 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 let's meet somewhere in between. I'll take $195. And they say, alright, it's done. And on a piece of paper, they write out that mutual agreement that that property is worth $195,000 to each individual. They sign their names. The man gives him $195,000. It's time to t- hand over the deed, and he says, You know, I changed my mind. Somebody else offered me $225. So you either pay me $225 or I'm taking it back. Do we do that? You would actually be able to sue. If you've already signed your name, you could sue, and he would have to honor that contract. So even in men's covenants, in order for us to be faithful to one another and to our word, we don't add to or take away. You know, that's what Paul is saying. So he uses this illustration to say God dealt with in the same manner. So well before the law of Moses was given, God made a covenant with Abraham. And he didn't say, I will give to your seed this land or that land and uh, multiply you and your, your seed will be as the stars of heaven and so on and so forth. He didn't say that if you keep the law that I give you later. Abraham, in 430 years, I'm going to give a law by one of your descendants and you can make good on this if they keep my law perfectly, but if not. So what, Abraham, what Paul's demonstrating is God's not a liar. He's not going to go back on his word. He's not going to, he's not going to invalidate his covenant later. So the, he's, he's using a process of deduction, if you would. We know it doesn't mean the law is not a means to God's grace because God promised that grace without the law. It was there. So go. let's go to Genesis 12, and let's read the first time that covenant was given, what God has to say. There's a number of times it's repeated, and we'll read some of those as well, just to hear, in God's own words to Abraham, the clarity of this covenant that he made. By the way, there are certain things God promised to Abraham and to his seed that are yet to be fulfilled, amen, and the covenant the new covenant does not undo the abrahamic covenant it fulfills it there are those today that would say uh, there's a, a and I'm I'm delving off a little maybe out of out of our line of thinking but it's along the same lines they believe in something called replacement theology that the church has replaced the nation of israel that we are now a kingdom of priests and that god has done with the nation of israel No, what God promised about a kingdom is fulfilled the same way that God promised salvation and it's in Jesus Christ. You remember that all through the Bible God promised a seed and that's the emphasis of this covenant tonight. That seed is Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the covenant that He made in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. What began as the seed of the woman is later called the seed of Abraham. God begins to narrow it down. The seed of the woman is pretty broad, is it not? That's pretty broad. The seed of the woman is any male born of a woman. Because yeah, it says, he shall bruise his head and the seed, the, the, the serpent would bruise his heel. We know it's going to be a, a male child, right? Seed of the woman, that's pretty broad. But then by the time we get to Abraham, God says, no, that seed's going to come through you. And then Abraham had multiple children, but God said specifically it's going to be gone through, through Isaac, Genesis 21, 12. Not Ishmael, not anybody else. Through Isaac shall thy seed be called, so you can trace the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ all the way back to Abraham through Isaac. But we go on down the line, and God told Abraham that, uh, or told David, "Your seed will be on the throne forever and ever." Another reference to Christ. So now we've narrowed it to the family of Abraham, the family of Isaac. But you remember, Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had how many sons? Twelve. But in Genesis 50, the Bible says a lawgiver would not depart from the feet of Judah. So now we know what tribe. Oh, we're going to get a little more specific. Not only what tribe, it's going to be of the seed of David. And if you look at the genealogies of Christ in Matthew 1 and Luke 3, you can channel it right back up. You can go all the way back to Abraham. Then you can go all the way back to Adam. He's the son of man, son of God, son of David. The seed throughout history begins narrowing down until the spotlight is specifically on Jesus Christ and every covenant of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ, including the Mosaic Covenant. Remember what the Mosaic Covenant is? You have to keep the law to live by it. And Jesus did it. He fulfills every covenant God has ever made with man. I can almost get chill bumps just talking about it. The wisdom of God that is seen as we look through the scriptures, I can't can't imagine the wisdom that's going to be unfolded once we're in His very presence. It's no wonder we're going to be in awe if we get just a taste of it here. But we're going to read the specifics of this covenant very quickly. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, now the Lord had said unto Abram, we're in verse 1, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, here it is, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee, this is the covenant that Paul was referring to in Galatians, and in thee, shall all families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram departed. Now if you look down to verses 6 and 7, And Abram passed through the land unto the place Sycam, unto the plain of Mori. And the Canaanite was then in the land, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. I'll just read these quickly for time's sake. Genesis thirteen fifteen and 16. It's repeated. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Genesis fifteen five. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. By the way... When we get to heaven someday, the Bible talks in Isaiah chapter fifty-three that the Lord will see the reward of His labor. The Lord Jesus will see. Turn there with me. I don't want to botch that up. Isaiah chapter fifty-three. The Lord Jesus Christ uh, has begotten to to Abraham, if you would, through Christ uh, an, an eternal an eternal inheritance, if you would, uh, in regard to seed. He's, Isaiah chapter fifty-three. Um, in verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, speaking of the Lord Jesus. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Who's going to see his seed? Jesus will see his seed. We know it's not talking about physical seed, now don't we? <laughs> he never married. So we're talking about us, the, the children of God by faith in Christ. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. So, Back to Galatians chapter 3 in verse 15, the Apostle Paul speaks of the confirmation of the Abrahamic covenant that God confirmed it to Abraham by promise. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. And so and it repeats that in Romans chapter 4 and here in Galatians chapter 3. And so God says, Abraham, here's what I'm going to do. The confirmation of God's promise So here's God's part. I make the promise. I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to bless thee. I'll bless him that blesses thee. Curse him that curses thee. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. As as soon as Abraham believed what God said, it was confirmed. The covenant was settled. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with, that after the manner of men, if two men confirm a covenant, you don't disannul it, you don't add to it. So it was. God made a covenant with Abraham. He made a promise an unconditional one, Abraham believed him, it was confirmed, okay? And so there was a confirmation of that covenant. Then verse 16, Paul then gets into the clarity of this covenant. He said, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ we can press this issue and say when God promised to Abraham in thee and in thy seed he is speaking specifically way down the road the seed of Abraham Jesus Christ Isaac was a channel to bring that seed David would be a channel to bring that seed but he's referring to Jesus Christ now here I don't want you to miss me on this so we're going to get into some uh, some some understanding of how to look at scripture and how important every word is. Here we're talking about the difference for us in the English language of one letter, seed not seeds, one letter, and all that letter does is make it plural. But it's vitally important. This is why we believe that that if you have a Bible that has not God has not preserved His words, it matters. Let me, let me illustrate this for you tonight. If you were reading a New King James tonight in Galatians chapter three verse sixteen, you would read what we've read here. He made the promise. Uh, to his seed, not seeds, but if you were to read every time in the Old Testament that this promise is made, and you are going to have to follow up, you want to follow up with me, you can get you a new king James, and look through this and confirm this. But for instance, in Genesis chapter twelve verse seven i 'll go ahead and read you this illustration from the new king james okay i don 't only do this, but for for our uh, understanding it 's important. In our King James Bible, the Bible says in Genesis 12:7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham, Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. The New King James Version says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared unto him. Appeared to him. Now, this is a question. Does Paul make an issue of seed versus seeds? Okay, in the New Testament, in the New King James, it's got it correct. And this is not a message about Bible versions tonight. It's a message about understanding the importance of words. And the Holy Spirit of God did not inspire concepts. He did not inspire ideas. He inspired words. Every word of God is pure. Amen? And so then, when we say descendants, how many descendants does Abraham have? There was Ishmael. There was Isaac. There was all the sons of Keturah. Abraham had multiple children. He only had one that was according to promise. Only one miracle child. All the rest were naturally born. God makes it clear that through Isaac would his seed be called. When the New King James Version, and by the way, every time the covenant is repeated to Abraham, instead of seed, the New King James says descendants or posterity. Descendants normally, plural. Now that opens the door to say the promise to Abraham or the covenant could have been fulfilled through Ishmael. Now we're into a slum. That's exactly what they teach. That the covenant made to Abraham by God was fulfilled through Ishmael and his descendants. This is a very important text of scripture. When Paul says seed, not seeds, this is vital. And by the way, the Bible you use matters. It, it matters. And so as we see this tonight, uh, the point is made, no, God was not talking about um, just any of Abraham's descendants, but specifically, this is a promise to Abraham. He's confirming that promise through Christ. Meaning, Abraham, I'm making you a promise that in in you and through your posterity, if you would, but not posterity, seed will all the families of the earth be blessed. He was not just saying, Abraham, you're gonna have a really nice family that's gonna bless the earth. I'm gonna send the, the Messiah, the seed of the woman is coming from your, your descendants, but it'll be specifically one. And all those promises, and by the way, this is gonna help us understand eschatology, our things to come, is that all the promises made to Abraham are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. There's a lot that rests on this, this little verse in Genesis, or Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not. Paul says, let me point out what he didn't say. He didn't say descendants. Isn't that amazing? How many of you think a Bible translator should have caught that and not put descendants in Genesis 12, 7? It should have said seed. But it didn't there in that translation as well as many others. And so my point is this tonight the Apostle Paul says, I want to give you some understanding then uh, of how to look at this Abraham Covenant. There's some clarifications to Abraham and his seed where the promises made. And then there is conclusiveness when he goes on to say, He saith not unto uh, seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. So he's establishing the fact God made some promises to Abraham. He confirmed those promises. And that promise was to be fulfilled in one singular person. How amazing that all the way back there when Abraham was being called out of Canaan, God already knew how he would save mankind. That's why when people want to teach that God has multiple plans of salvation throughout history, that's not true. God has always had one plan and he had the gospel preached to Abraham In this covenant, did Abraham fully comprehend that? I'm certain not based on what the New Testament tells us. But what he did comprehend, he believed and been taking God by faith. Abraham put his faith in who? And in specific, Jesus Christ. Because God said, through your seed, am I going to bless? And Abraham believed God. Now, did Abraham know what Jesus' name would be? No. But he said, in thy seed. So the fulfillment of that covenant was very specific. So in verse 15, we see the confirmation of the covenant. God confirmed with Abraham by faith that he would bless him and in his family or his seed would all the families of the earth be blessed. But then he clarifies it. We're not just talking about his family, but specifically the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Genesis 21, 12, Abraham suggests to God, well, what about uh, Ishmael? And uh, prior to that, he had said Ishmael. And then he says, Shall this my servant, is he going to be uh, my heir? And the Lord says, no. And after Ishmael is born uh, and Isaac, God makes it clear to Abraham that it's in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That's the blessing that I've promised you is going to come through his line. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ did. And so the confirmation of the covenant, the clarity of the covenant, number three, the constancy of this covenant, verse 17, and this I say, Paul's going to be in to, to to continue this point, and this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, so he establishes there was a confirmed covenant, he confirmed it in Christ, that's who the seed is referring to, and this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect, you remember what the law said, he and he'd already dealt with this earlier in the chapter, that if you're going to keep the law, if you're going to do the, you're going to live by the law, then you're going to have to keep all of the law, and if not, you're cursed. So did God give the law to disannul the promise he made to Abraham? Did he give a law that he knew they couldn't keep in order to undo his own promise? Well, I was going to bless you, but since your descendants couldn't obey like they're supposed to, sorry. No, no, no. And it's a valid point. We know that Israel couldn't, they could not keep the law. So what Paul is saying is, so obviously the law was not given as part of that same covenant. There had to be a different purpose. Because the law says you either live by the law or you die under the law. Well, if all of Abraham's posterity is going to be cut off by the law, which if God kept the law according to their, the way they lived by it, what would he have done with them? If Christ had never come, you know what God would have to do in justice? Annihilate the nation of Israel. If Jesus hadn't come, there would be no nation of Israel today. Because they had so broken God's law and so violated God's law that in His justice, if that nation could not keep His law, He would have to judge them and cut them off of the earth. Isn't that what the curse says? I read the curse this week in Deuteronomy. He had already scattered them. He had already chastised them. They were were in greater violation of His law than ever they had been. But Jesus came and represented the nation. Did He not? Not only did Jesus represent the nation, He represented the world. He tasted death for every man. But the point would be this, that this covenant, the law, He's teaching the Galatians, you're going back to the law as though it was a means of righteousness that could not be why God gave it, or it would disannul the covenant he made with Abraham. And we know even in a man's covenant, you don't add to or take away. You don't disannul it. And that's what the law would have done. It would have, it would have made the promise to Abraham of none effect. And so verse 17, in this law, this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul again that word it's almost like a redundant word on purpose to disannul means to invalidate that it should make the promise of none effect then verse 18 he says for if the inheritance what god promised if the inheritance be of the law it is no more of promise we know the law says perform and receive don't perform and you're cursed And then he's going to make this point all over again that he's been making. If the inheritance, if all those things God promised to Abraham is of the law, meaning when you perform according to my laws, then I will bless you. and Because that's what the law said. If you obey, I'll bless you. If you disobey, I'll curse you. Is that what he told Abraham? Think about the contrast of the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. God says to Abraham, as an uncircumcised Syrian is what he calls him later. <laughs> he says, I, I, I will bless you, Abraham, and I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed, if you do everything I say without fail. Is that what he said? It was an unconditional promise. And Abraham believed God said, I believe you'll bless me, and I believe you'll do everything you said. And God counted it to him for righteousness. Then comes the law of Moses. And again, if you read the blessings and the cursings, God gives them, what is it, Six hundred and 13 or 633 commandments and he says if you keep these i'll bless you and he told moses they won't keep them i read it again this week he warned moses to warn joshua they're not going to keep them Um, they're going to get into the land of canaan they're going to go whoring after other gods they're going to forsake my law i'm going to have to judge them god already knew what they would do with his law and so did he give them that so he could break his own promise no of course not so there had, again, there had to be another purpose. And so he makes the point, again, verse 18, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. Now let's, let's apply this to us. You got saved by your performance or by God's promise? By God's promise. Then when does it turn into a performance to stay saved? If performance keeps you saved, then the promise is of none effect. Is it the same principle? So you put in whatever, I, we, we need to obey the Lord. We certainly do. But our performance does not have to do with making us righteous. It's our faith. The just shall live by faith. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. That never changes. It's faith in Him that is the means of our justification. So if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. And even it is with us to this very day. It's given by promise that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We are not redeemed by the works of the law. And uh, Paul uses the covenant of Abraham to say, look, if the law is was given for the way you're using it. If the way you're using the law as a means to prove or to justify yourselves, if that was its purpose, then God gave it to make himself a liar. Here's Look, If you let me just help you, if I may, with this. If you get into a discussion with anybody that is going back to the law, whether it's Sabbath-keeping, Sabbath dietary laws, it is important to ask them why. Why are we doing this? Now folks today get very skilled in defending. They know, they already know to some degree if they are biblically versed, you're going to pull that Ephesians 2, 8, 9 on me. I know it. So they're going to say, well, we appreciate God's grace in our life. Well, then why are we going back to the law? Acting as though God is not living and able to govern our lives as a living person. You know why we go back to the law? We don't believe Jesus Christ can actually govern His own people. We have to have some... We have to have some statute that we implement in the power of our flesh rather than a statute that he communicates through the power of his Holy Spirit. One is by faith and the other is not. So when you're discussing someone that's, for instance, Sabbath-keeping, it is important to ask them, are you actually keeping the Sabbath? Some will say the Sabbath is important. May I say this? If you believe your letter of the Lord to take a day of the week, and if it's the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, to not work at all, fine, do that. But I promise you, you're still not a Sabbath keeper. There's no way. Because if you're going to keep the Sabbath, you've got to keep it according to the law. All of it. If you're going to have the dietary laws, you're going to have to keep all of them. You cannot pick and choose. You're going to have to 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 keep the dietary laws. And may I say this, you want to follow God's diet laid out in the law? You have liberty to do that. That's fine. Don't eat pork, you're probably better off. But you're not in sin if you do eat pork. Bible for that every creature of God is good he didn't say every creature but no that was given for a specific time and a specific purpose and it fulfilled its purpose but it was not given as a as a path to God it was not given as a path to God's favor the keeping of the law is not and so you have never in your life met a person who keeps the law who says I'm a Sabbath keeper and I don't not with rudeness not unkindness no you're not there are none especially in North Idaho. They all start fires on Friday nights. Yeah, if they got a fireplace, they do. I guarantee you. <laughs> There's nobody keeping the law according to the law because nobody, nobody can. Jesus Christ did. Kept it perfectly. So then our confidence is in His having kept the law and fulfilled its entire purpose and intent. And we'll get into that next week, the intent of the law. But tonight, this is the thing. God did not promise to Abraham to bless all the families of the earth by law keeping, he promised that by faith so that we'll read in the end of the chapter that we are, verse 26, year are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Couldn't be clearer, could it? May I say this? In, this? in this region we live in, this is one of my prayers for this series, and we're about done tonight. And it was a prayer tonight that God might use it to help us have a defense against error. There's a lot of error taught, and in our community there's a lot of error taught, in a number of groups, about going back to the law and going back to the law as though that makes you, either it makes you a Christian or makes you a superior one. Let's finish with this tonight, First Timothy chapter 1. We referenced this, I believe, a couple of weeks ago, First Timothy chapter 1. Again, I can't, I can't leave this by, one of the things I love about our Bible is if you'll use your Bible under the direction of the Holy Spirit, you'll get every answer you need from the pages of Scripture. So, for instance, here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul says this concerning the problem Timothy was facing in Ephesus. He says in verse 5, Now, the end of the commandment is charity. Paul had given Timothy a commandment about guarding doctrine. He said, here's the goal. Here's the end of this commandment. The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved, so they've swerved away from a pure heart, they've swerved, that's no longer their objective, Okay. They've, they've veered off from a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. Uh, they've swerved from and have turned aside into vain jangling. Look at verse 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Verse 8. But we know that the law is good if, here's the clause, if a man use it lawfully. I mean, there are rules by how you, for how you use the law. Wouldn't you like to know the rules? Well, we just read them. In Galatians 3, we're getting the laws for how to use the law. Isn't that amazing? When he's talking about the law, he's specifically talking about the law of Moses that was given. By the way, under grace, we're not without law. Paul said, I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And he said, to those that are without law, as without law, but not without law to Christ. Meaning I live under his, the law for my life is the word of Jesus Christ. And that will never change. But he says the law is good of a man. Use it lawfully. Verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, that's who the law is made for, meaning the law is intended to condemn you, to show you you are not what God wants you to be until you're in Jesus Christ. You're a lawbreaker and worthy of death. So if you're going back to the law, you know what you're saying? I'm a whoremonger, a murderer, a liar, a kidnapper. I'm something bad because I still need the law. If you've got Christ, you've got the lawgiver in your heart. (laughs) The covenant that was made is uh, the seed uh, of, of the woman, which is the seed of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ. And So the communication of the covenant in verse 18, that's our final point. He it says, it's not by law. If the inheritance is of be of the law, God didn't communicate it and say, I'll give you this if you do that, 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 that. No, that's not the inheritance. It is of promise. God says, I promise to do this for you, Abraham. And Abraham's only part was faith. And we are children of Abraham, children of God. By faith, And so as we focus in on this covenant tonight, we know that it was confirmed to Abraham by faith. It was clearly speaking specifically of the Lord Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of that covenant. Uh, and it is not undone by the law. And therefore, the law was not added to do away with that covenant. It had to be added for a different purpose, which we'll see in more detail next time. And then the communication was not by law, but by promise. And as we see this tonight, it, it reminds us As a Christian, you need not trek back to the law of Moses for guidance as to how to live your life. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit of God as He opens the Scripture and applies it practically to our lives. We'll get into that in chapter 5, that we are to be mindful of the living Son of God. Again, I can't say this enough. If, If it's the law, it's about us and our ability. If it's about Christ, do we really believe He's living tonight? then we must realize he has the ability, we have his life in us, and he has the ability to make clear to us his will for our lives and to give us the ability to carry out his will. And that's not through the legal document that Moses was given, it's through the living spirit of God who's the author of the book. And so, anyway, having said that tonight, that's, that's all we have for this evening. I hope it's helpful in understanding not only the purpose of the law and the covenant that God made with Abraham, but how important it is that we pay attention to God's word. And you know what I believe? I believe the Apostle Paul believed in the doctrine of preservation, that God had inspired not just concepts and thoughts, but the very words, because he focuses in on not seed as of many, but seed, or seeds as of many, seed as of one. Mm-hmm.